Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, Draw Near to Jesus and Resist the Devil, from James chapter 4. Seek God through prayer and worship, immersing yourself in His Word. Let go of prioritizing worldly concerns over your relationship with Him. Reflect on any instances where you've placed your will above His, and allow yourself to grieve those choices. Humbling ourselves before God is the path to truly understanding His constant work in our lives. He continually lifts us up, pouring out His love, blessings, and healing upon us. Let us actively choose to experience these divine gifts by humbly submitting ourselves to His will. So every week we make the choice. And we say this together. So can we say this together? Uh, it's the slide that says, today I choose. Can we, can we choose again today? Are you ready? Can we do this? Here we go. Today I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. Okay, so... This week, we're going to talk about humility again. This is the third week in a row that James has talked about humility. And of course, I got my butt kicked because of my selfishness and pride. This is an amazing book that we're going through, the book of James. Um, I hate it, and I love it, because uh, each week I go through the actual sermon. Uh, but I, I don't know about you, but the older that I get, I, I'm tired I've become more aware of when I do damage to other people that I love, and I don't want to do that anymore. Anybody relate with me? When you're just tired of like, oh my gosh, I have like foot and mouth disease again, and like how do I get this thing out, or I missed it, or oh, there was a moment and I was oblivious because I'm on my phone or I'm in my land. Does that make sense? So two weeks ago, we talked about in James about how, how our tongues can light our lives and other people's lives on fire. And we can singe and burn ourselves and them to the ground. And so the humility is understanding that your tongue has that much power. And then last week, we talked about the, this phrase, that humility that comes from wisdom. And the idea here is that literally humility is our willingness for God to guide our every step. It, humility is our great strengths under control, being led by God himself. And then wisdom literally is the practice of asking God what to do all the time. So it's I'm willing to be led by you, God, and I'm willing to ask you what to do because he's good and he's smarter than you <laughs> and he knows what to do. And so if you don't know what to do, like James said, we ask for wisdom, we wait until we get it, we don't move forward until God has given us confirmation either by his very word spoken to our hearts as we read scripture, as we pray, by all of the friends that will come around us and say all the same things, by those stupid songs that keep on saying the same thing over and over again, right? Until we go, okay, God, and he's like, here's your sign, right? So that's what we talked about last week. <clears throat> so, can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts? Yes. Would that be okay? Yes. You sure? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, 
My prayer for you and for me is that our hearts would be changed by this passage because this passage uh, literally help, is helping reorder my soul, to reorder my wants and desires. So that's my prayer for us. So can I pray that real quick for us? Jesus, again, we bind up and mute anything opposed to Jesus. We, command it, we cast it out of this place and off of us and go to Jesus to be judged. Lord, we want to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And so we say to our own souls now, awaken, O my soul, and all that is within me. God, we give you this time. We submit ourselves to you. Reorder our wants and our hearts. Help us to hear you, Jesus. Change us, Lord. That is our prayer. And all God's people said here and online, amen. amen. Okay, are you ready? So uh, second, first thing that has happened, I got a new computer. Um, and last week and this week, I thought that I created this amazing presentation. And then I totally messed it up. Um, so they're scrambling in the back right now, just like they did last week to get the scripture back up. And I spent four hours this week triple checking that my presentation was perfect. And then now it's not there. Uh, so anyways, I just want to say I love you, tech team. Mwah. And uh, and next week, uh, you'll see TIE Fighters and Star Destroyers in the presentation, I promise. Uh, so here it is. Uh, this is James chapter 4, verse 1. Here we go, okay? What causes, read this with me. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 James. Calm down. How about this one? Let's keep on reading. You covet, but you cannot get away, get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because... Read that sentence, that last sentence real loud and not to your neighbor, but to your own heart. You do not have because you do not ask God. So we all have these desires. We all have these things going on within them, and most of them are absolutely spectacular. It's true. We all want connection. We all want to create something incredible. We all want rest. We all want to eat. <laughs> we all want to repair an object or a thing or a relationship. We all need help sometimes. We all want to give help sometimes. We have desires within us, and those, most of those desires are really wonderful. But then there's the desires of our pride or our power and control or our resentments and our anger, or our self-ambition, or our need to have things happen my way, my time. Yeah? And so what we do is that we, and those desires are basically to control life and outcomes. Does that make sense, what I mean by outcomes? We want things to happen the way that we want them to happen. So we take a really good desire, right, and then we mix that with a strategy that don't work. I'm preaching to my own life. Don't take it personal. Or take it personal. So then James gets specific. You desire, and then when someone gets in the way of them, you kill them. <laughs> what? <coughs> Remember, James is writing to Christians. 
He ain't writing to like pagans. He's writing to the church. What does he mean by, and the, the word here is murder. We kill their reputation with our gossip. We kill their joy and self-worth with our anger. We kill the relationship by alienating them. Murder is pointed anger designed to end someone. And we do that when people get in the way with what we want. And you might say, come on, Andy, I'm, I'm not literally murdering anybody. This doesn't apply to me. And so James goes, oh, okay. Well, you covet still. Coveting is wanting, wanting more and more and more. And then when you can't get that, what do we do? We quarrel and fight. So why are these two verses next to each other? Because the more you fight, the more that you don't ask God for what you want, the more that you don't trust God to give you what you need or have faith to follow directions so that when, God, when you say, I would really like this to work out this way, and he says, great, follow my lead, and you say, no, I'm going to do it my way. When you don't do that, the quarreling and fighting ends up turning into, I've got to eliminate the person who's in front of what I want and stopping me from getting what I want. I will get them out of the way. When you use your anger for everything, you'll kill your relationships. When you use your power and control for everything, you'll kill your faith. When you use your self-righteousness so that you never have to accept responsibility for what you've done, it's always somebody else's fault. You always meant to do it differently. So see, isn't that great? You'll kill your sanity, and then you'll become a performer. So what's the solution? Here's the solution. Are you ready? It's shocking. Ask Jesus and choose the humility to trust Jesus' answer. I love how simple it is to follow Jesus, and also it takes all the courage in the world to do this. So this is why James says in verse 3, next, the very next verse, read this with me. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on... Dang it. Okay, this is really important. Why is James saying this? It's because James is saying, well, prayer isn't just asking for God with, like, prayer isn't manipulation. Oh, uh, well, that's easy to ask God for whatever I want. Great. God, give me this now, 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 my way, my way, my way, my way, more, 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 me, me, me. Yay, I love prayer. And here's the thing, when you pray like that, the enemy will be happy to answer those prayers. Do not forget that. And the enemy will begin to whisper to you in your entitlement, in your pride, in your selfishness, oh, absolutely, you deserve that. Oh, you've worked so hard for that. Oh, you, oh yes, life's been so difficult for you. You should get that. You should take that. Absolutely. But the still, gentle, loving, and sovereign voice of our Savior will give you an answer sometimes that you don't want to hear. Like, darling, what if you getting that will ruin everything? 
son, are you okay with me saying no? Sweetie, if you get that, what if it kills your heart and faith? Are you okay if I say no to that or not yet now? Now, all of us, we don't want the consequences of our behaviors. Right? I mean, we're happy when other people get consequences, but not us, right? But there's two ways to learn. One is listening. The other one is paying tuition, which is called consequences. Yeah? Yeah. So James then has really tough words for followers of Jesus. And here it is, verse 4. Read this with me. You adulterous people. Oh, dang it. I love church. Uh, Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Oh, my gosh. We want and we want and we want. Americans, historically across, compared to every generation of humanity in all other countries, in all other times, have more luxury and more comfort and more relative wealth than any other culture in the world right now. And we want more, more. That's baby sign language. Mas por favor, ahorita, now, right now. And James is writing to impoverished Christians who just lost everything. And of course, those Christians that James was writing to 2,000 years ago want like a home or a business or a way to feed their family. So what is James saying? Like you can't want anything? Is like wanting anything being an enemy to God? Because I got a new computer, does that make me an enemy to God? No, no. Listen, God wants to bless you like every good father wants to bless their children. But the moment that your kid wants your stuff more than you, you got a problem. Does that make sense? Like as a parent, the more that you bless your child, if your child makes that shift of, I want the stuff more than you, mom or dad, that's a problem. Yes? So for three weeks, we've been reading basically the same message over and over and over. Choose the humility, choose the wisdom of wanting Jesus more than you want anything else. That's where humility and wisdom comes. When you want Jesus more than anything else, you will avoid disaster in your life. Why should you do this? Because he wants you more than anything else. Jesus gave up heaven for you. He gave up endless joy, perfect rest, all the food he can eat without gaining an ounce of fat, euphoric peace, no conflict, a completely pain-free life for you because he wants you, because he adores you. And it's a sobering thing what James is saying because it's true. When I want my stuff or things to go a certain way or my will, my will or my timing and plan, put it this way, I often discover that I want those things way more than I want Jesus. 
when I want more, anything more than I want God's presence and his plan for me, when I want that stuff more than I want to be a blessing, I hurt others. So this week, baby December was born. She's so cute. Oh my gosh, she's so cute. Right? And Debbie says to me, will you, help, will you be my schlepper and take all this stuff to the hospital? And we get to the hospital at Sierra Vista, and, they, and the security guard says, uh, who are you going to go see? And we say, well, Zedekiah and Denise uh, Freeze, they're up in room 305. And he goes, okay, only one of you can come. And I say, well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and the security guard goes, I don't care. Like, there's only one of you, Right? And I'm thinking, well, this is my grandbaby, you know, because they're on staff, and I really like them and stuff. And, 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 and then I say this to the security guard, listen, um, uh, Debbie, Grandma just had uh, gallbladder surgery. She can't carry more than 10 pounds, so I got to carry all this up with her. And Debbie gave me the look of the look of, like, you need to shut up right now look. <laughs> Guys, do you know that look? <laughs> Ladies, have you ever gotten that look, right? Of like, be quiet now, this look. <laughs> right? And me, I wanted what I wanted. What do I want? To see the little baby. <laughs> so I made, I made Debbie's first grandchild about me in that one moment. Right? And she was so uncomfortable, like, because, you know, if you know Debbie, she don't break rules. So, like, oh, my gosh. And, and in that moment, I hurt my friend. And she, she let me know uh, for sure. Here's the thing is that, is that this Scripture is showing me that that's a truth and a reality in my life. As Christians, the, the goal isn't just to, like, pretend that that doesn't exist in your life. The goal is for you to see this is where it is. And this is what it's about. Verse 5. This verse blows me away. So here it is. He says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Read this with me. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? See, this is the thing that we don't understand. Is that we're so busy like wanting what we want that we miss that what God wants is you. That what God wants is me. God wants his spirit. In, God wants connection with me all of the time. And here I am. I know that I should want Jesus more than I want all the stuff, but I actually just want the stuff. And I'm not talking about like trinkets or whatever. And maybe you're in that stage of life where you care about that. Most of you are at the stage of life where you're drowning in it, and you're trying to find a way to sell it profitably. Um, but, uh, you know, now, but now what you want is you want your way to things to go the way you want them to go. That's never changed for all of humanity. And I never understood that God is jealous for me, like Andy, me, that God wants me. I never gave that any weight in my life. Now, consequences have taught me that my life with, without God, that all my stuff, having all, way, all my way, that my comfort on my timing, 
brings a momentary blip of happiness and then zero joy. And then I end up spending lots of time cleaning up the consequences of that. Let me explain what James is getting at in a different way. If you've been in church at all, um, you might have heard the story of Israel's first king. His name was Saul. Israel's second king, pretty famous guy, starts with the D, ends with the D. His name is David. That's Israel's second king. Saul was the first king of Israel. Now, everybody knows who's read David or the Psalms that he wrote. That's his, by the way, that's his, David was a top 10 recording artist, right? <laughs> he got moves. He started Motown in Israel, right? You know? And what he was known for is that he was a man after, if you've heard this phrase before, this is scriptural, God's own heart. Okay, now I just want you to compare the lives of Saul and David. Which, here's Saul, okay, and here's David, okay? Which one killed his best friend after sleeping with and impregnating his wife? David. What is Saul remembered for? Being a failure. What is David remembered for? Being a man after God's own heart. Which, one, which, which, which kid, which child of the king raped their sister and then the king covered it up and then that led to a massive civil war within the kingdom? Hmm. David. Um. David did all those things. If you look at Saul and David's moral life, Saul wins. So what, ha- what gives? What gives? Here, here let, me, let me show you an example of why God says that David is a man after his own heart. When Saul messed up and the prophet kind of, the prophet in Israel was like the Supreme Court combined with the media. So the prophet comes... <laughs> Terrifying, right? So the prophet comes. The prophet comes and says to Saul, "Hey, man, you messed up." His name's Samuel. Samuel says, "Hey, man, you messed up." And Saul goes, "You're right. I'm sorry. I I messed up. You're right. Please don't take away the kingdom for me. Please don't take away my position. Don't take away my status. Don't take away the bodyguards and the palaces. Don't take away that." When Samuel then. 15 years later, goes to Saul about the whole Bathsheba, Uriah, murder, impregnation thing, right? And Samuel says to, uh, or not Samuel, it would be Nathan at that point. Nathan says to, to David, the, the next prophet, Supreme Court plus media, says to David, you messed up. What does David write? He says, God, please don't take your spirit from me. And that's the difference between Saul and David. Saul wants his stuff, and David wants God's presence. Listen, following Jesus is, is not about making sure that you have, how do I say this in a way that makes sense? God wants your heart. He wants you to want him more than anything else. He's not surprised when you mess up and fail. He's not surprised when you sin. What he wants more than anything is that you would be concerned most with losing him and not your way or your stuff. Does that make sense? 
I sat with a widow six months ago who was surrounded by a gorgeous house, every opulent treasure and financial comfort that you can ever imagine, multimillionaire, traveled all around the world with her husband. Her husband retired, died one month after he retired. I said, tell me what's going on. And she said, she looked at all this stuff and she goes, Andy, I don't care about any of this crap. I would give it all away just to have one more day with my beloved husband. Would you give up everything for God's presence? Jesus gave up everything for your presence. God wants my life and your life to be saturated with this intimate relationship with him where your joy and your peace and the wisdom about what to do next all comes from him. That delight would pour over and overflow out of your life because you know that you're loved. Now you're saying to me, Andy, I want God in my life. That's why I'm here. I don't know how to like have more love in my heart for God. So what do I do? And this is what's so beautiful about James. Verse six. Are you ready? Read this with me. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God gives you the grace, an undeserved gift. God gives you the love that you need to have for him. Isn't that awesome? You're like, God, I want you more in my life. I need more love for you. And he goes, got it. I'll give you the love that you can't generate on your own. Isn't that beautiful? So what does a humble woman pray? What does a humble man pray? Again, James doesn't leave us hanging. This is what he says. Verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee for you. Submit yourself to God. That's what you do. That's how you pray. You come to God and you sing and pray, I surrender all. Kilo and I did not know that, like we didn't talk about that. That's the Holy Spirit telling Kilo what to pray. I don't know, God, what else to say, so I'm going to give you my gratitude. I'm going to sing one more hallelujah. I didn't know Kilo was going to pick that song. It's just the Holy Spirit telling Kilo what to pray. It's submitting ourselves to God. And we've adopted a strange grammar in the United States uh, about God and our relationship with him. And it kind of goes like this. You've heard this before. There's nothing wrong with it, but grammatically it can lead to some funny thinking. And it goes like this. Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Have you done that? And, and, and literally, I mean, like when I'm baptizing people this week, I'm like, do you receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior? And they say, yes. And it's like, yeah. Well, then well, the grammatical consequences of that sentence is this, that I think that I'm inviting God into my life. So when God calls me on the cell phone, I'll be like, oh, do you want to join me on what's interesting? Because I've invited you into my life. <laughs> I got it going on in my life. Jesus, do you want to do what I want to do? Because I'm inviting you into my life. My kingdom come, my will be done. Jesus, come into my life. 
I'll sprinkle some salt and pepper of Jesus into my life. Here's what I want. God, do it. God, do it now, now, now. Right? You guys, it's not how it goes. God is inviting you into his life. His life is way better than ours. Our life is a dumpster fire compared to his. And he's like, come, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, come to me, come to me. Learn to pray, my kingdom come and my will be done. Like, your, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Learn to pray that. Learn to say, it's not about what I want right now. It's not about my way and my self-ambition. It's like, God, what do you want me to use? How do you want to use me? And there's going to be a nasty, ugly voice in your heart. It's going to say, well, what about all my needs? Who's going to take care of me? You're not alone what do you think, the God of the universe is just going to like wring you out like a dirty old rag to get what's in you and then toss you away? No, God is going to surround you with everything that you could possibly need and want. Submit in your life to God is trusting him and saying, God, I want to do what you want me to do. That's where wisdom comes from. That's where you don't light people's life on fire. And your life isn't on fire. In fact, you become the kind of person that brings life and joy out of the ashes everywhere you go. That's life. And the enemy doesn't want that at all. At all. And the enemy is going to do every single thing he can to try and prevent you from submitting to God. And so that's why James says, resist the devil. That's why every Sunday we say, leave now in Jesus' name. Anything opposed to Christ, be gone. That's why we say, not today, devil. Because it's, it's, not, it's not about like, oh, uh, it's not like I have to do all of the vocabulary gymnastics in order to make that happen. It's I am saying I, I'm going to resist all of my desires to make me God. And I'm going to push the enemy back so that there's space for God to work. Right, Matt, did we get that prayer? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. With that in mind, do you want to pray a dangerous prayer? It goes like this. I'm going to preview it for you. It's two slides. Jesus, I choose you today. Jesus, I place you as my first love. I invite you back into my heart of hearts. I'm sorry I wanted my will more than yours and my stuff more than your kingdom. Thank you for humbling me and saying no to me. Next slide, and then we'll go back to the first one. I receive your correction. Forgive me for my self-ambition. Please form, not from, form. That's not their fault. Please forgive them for any typos. Or actually, I, I think I did. Oh, no, it's my typo. You, you typed it correctly. How ironic. Please form in me a deep love for you. Please give me the humility to choose you when my desires get loud and my habits of going it alone get louder. I take my faith back, my humility back, and my love for you. Do you want to pray that dangerous prayer? Okay, let's go back 
to the first slide. Let's pray together. Jesus, I choose you today. Jesus, I place you as my first love. I invite you back into my heart of hearts. I'm sorry I wanted my will more than yours and my stuff more than your kingdom. Thank you for humbling me and saying no to me. I receive your correction. Forgive me for my self-ambition. Please grow in me a deep love for you. Please give me the humility to choose you when my desires get loud and my habits of going alone get louder. I take back my faith, my humility, and my love for you. Amen? Why is this so important? Why does James say all of this? Because he's been there. He's been the guy who wanted his way and his stuff and his, his will way more than he wanted at Jesus. Ain't nobody one, ain't nobody in this room has called a 5150 three-week psychiatric hold on Jesus, except James. He's got that on his resume. I mean, they're literally brothers. Can you imagine their time in heaven like right now? Remember that time you thought I was crazy? Wanted me to, like, get straight-jacketed for a couple weeks. So many of us are on the outskirts of our faith, and, and we dip in and hope that God will give us a miracle or a word, and then we dip out, and we try and do life on our own, and it don't work. James tried it, and he's saying it doesn't work. Jump both feet in to trusting and following Jesus. Like Jesus didn't die on the cross so that he could love you like a buttered croissant. You know how much you love that one? Mm. Put some chocolate in there sometimes. Mm. Like he loves you more than a great movie. I know Barbie was epic. Some of you have seen it three times. <laughs> Casa Mojo, whatever it is. Dojo Mojo. Anyways. He, Jesus loves you and wants you, all the broken and beautiful parts of you, he wants you now. Uh, have you anybody ever heard of Socrates? Old Greek philosopher. He died 399 BC, long time ago. Socrates worked out every day. Dude was ripped. If you've ever seen a statue of Socrates, guy's got pecs and abs. No, I'm not even kidding because he was a Greek. He was a Greek philosopher. And he was a Stoic, and he thought that you know doing planks for 11 minutes and 7,000 push-ups a day. I'm not kidding. That was part of their Stoic life. And so Socrates was fit, right? Uh, he's not like this, you know, old, like, wise guy who, you know, like, he was fit, okay? He was fit. So one day, this is like 20, like, Socrates is in the 50s, 60s, and uh, this young kid comes up, like, he's in the early 20s, comes up to Socrates, and he goes, oh, great, Socrates, I want wisdom. And so Socrates is like, great, come down on the beach with me. And the guy's like, all right. One-on-one -on -one with the man, right? Socrates takes him down into chest-deep water. Socrates asks him, you want wisdom? And he goes, yes, I want wisdom. Socrates just, you know, old man strength, right? Just pushes him under the water and then lifts him up again. And he goes, Would you, you still want wisdom? The guy, kid goes, yes, I want wisdom. Pushes him under the water, holds him down there like 20 seconds. Brings him back up again. What do you want? Kid says, I want wisdom. Pushes him down again. Holds him for like 45 seconds. Pulls him up on the water. Says, what do you want? The kid says, oh, great, Socrates, I want wisdom. Socrates pushes him down on the water. And this time it's like over a minute. The kid's scratching at his arm, but Socrates has been lifting, man, ripped. 
right? No low T with that guy. He had it, right? And after like a minute and a half, pulls the kid out of the water and he goes, what do you want? And the kid goes, air. <laughs> Socrates drags this soggy kid back to the beach and says, when you want wisdom like you want air, come talk to me. James had the exact same experience with Jesus. James drowned in his own self-ambition. James lit other people's life on fire with his own tongue. He'd done enough damage, and now he's ready to want Jesus more than he wants air itself. Do you want Jesus more than air? Do you want Jesus more than the stuff, more than your own way? Resist the devil. Tell your own fallen, broken, evil desires no and submit yourself to God. And then his invitation continues. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Golly, what an enjoyable verse. <laughs> What is James saying? He's saying, take it seriously. He's saying, take it seriously. Look, don't, don't just say that, that you wanting your way more than God isn't really hurting anybody. James saying is, take it seriously. Look at your heart and go, oh my gosh, I am trying to do this all alone and I am going to stop. And I'm going to ask God in to help. Final verse in this passage is this. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Read it with me. And he... Read it again. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Read it again. God will lift you up. Everything that you've ever wanted, all the desires in your heart, all the things that you want for your kids and your grandkids, all the hopes and dreams that you have for your finances, all the things that you need, when you humble yourself before God and you say, your will be done, your, your plan, your kingdom come, not only is he going to give you everything that you need, he will give you the desires of your heart. He will lift you up in his time and you will be blessed because you're saying, God, I'm not going to try and do it by myself anymore. You're going to do it with me and through me. The the promise that God has for you isn't a life of like, oh, well, I'll just obey God and then I'll be penniless and broke and have nothing and everyone will be blessed but me. Wrong! Eternal life now, abundant, overflowing life now. Now! And then it goes for all eternity. Now! Because God is with you every single moment of the day. Moment by moment by moment. Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus, I don't know what to do. Jesus, show me how I can be a blessing. Show, what does this look like? And then all of a sudden, money will take its rightful place in your life, and God's presence will take its rightful place in your heart. Ambition will turn and change into how can I make God's will and his kingdom come in their life. Timing will just end up being perfect because you will say the thing or give the thing or do the thing just at the right time and people will go, 
oh my gosh, God must be real. And can I just encourage you? You're doing it. You're doing it. That's why this church keeps on growing. That's why seven people sign up for a class and 20 people get baptized. That's why God's spirit is here right now because you're doing it. And I want to encourage you more, more, more. Can I pray for you? Would you stand for the benediction? If you feel like you want to pray this into your bones, I want to encourage you, go across the street to Tabletop. And, no, and you're going to have you're going to be with 30 other people there, and all of them are going to discuss and talk, and then pray it into your bones. It's a beautiful moment. Plus, there's treats 2.0 across the street. Okay. <laughs> now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance. That's His delight in you, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, you guys go in peace. Have a wonderful day. If you want prayer, come forward. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 10.40 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.